Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Dune is no longer eligible for a major award. The Green Knight hits theaters, and we talk Jungle Cruise. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 175 of Real Blend, a podcast that taught The Rock everything he knows about puns. On this week's show, <laughs> Dune is no longer eligible for the Directors Guild of America, or maybe not. We'll talk about that. Uh, the Green Knight is going to be hitting theaters, and we're going to discuss Jungle Cruise. Uh, and by we, I mean Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. How are you? Hey, dude. I love your shirt. Something that people can see if they're watching us on YouTube. Well, I bought this shirt as an, as an, if it happens, um, because I'm hoping that there's going to be a junket for that, um, when that film comes around. So this will be what I'm wearing to the junket. Should we get the invitation uh, to go? And by we, I also mean Kevin McCarthy of Fox five in Washington, DC. Hi, Kev. Sean, Jake, Gabe, I just want to point out that I am sitting in a freshly sprayed WD 40 chair. <laughs> Let me show you. Watch. Uh-huh. Uh, the wonderful nose, sound of nose. silence. Uh, you know, it was amazing. I, I, I to, to give a little backstory, my this chair I've been sitting in since the the pandemic started. I when we built the studio down here so I could do my interviews and stuff. Well, built. I mean, we set up a desk and a chair. It got super uh, squeaky, uh, squeaky from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Bruce Stern's down here, um, hanging out. No, uh, but I, I genuinely, I didn't realize how loud it was. All it took was one spray. <laughs> I mean, it was the simplest fix of all time, and I put it off for like a month. So, sorry to Gabe, and sorry for anybody who heard the squeaking chair, but now... I'll be honest, I've never heard it. I didn't pick I mean, it up I at all. I, I didn't even really, whenever you, you sent us a picture of WD-40... I didn't super get it. I didn't understand. I didn't really understand what the reference was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I know. I'd yeah, always make, get... yeah, it makes me think of that King of the Hill episode where he, he's trying to work on a doorknob <laughs> and he breaks out WD-40 and he can't open it. So he breaks out a tiny can of WD-40 and sprays it on the can of WD-40 <laughs> so he can open it. It's, 
It's stupid. I love that joke so much. Is it is funny, but Ga- no, Gabe, Gabe messaged me a while back and said he was like in editing and he could hear anytime I breathed, basically, or moved or somehow. Um, and it was like, apparently, I-, I never noticed it, but Gabe is like super intensely locked into the edit. So, uh, Gabe, hopefully you don't hear anything else today or this thing doesn't squeak during Should the interview. Should be good. But there is fresh, fresh, beautiful WD-40 on this chair right music, now. So. Music to my ears. All right. Pristine. If the you're watching this on... Kevin's gonna get high on WD40. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pass out halfway through the. Uh, this but when you do, we fumes. won't hear the chair. <laughs> right, right, right. You'll just see. You'll just see me fall out of frame with no sound. Well, you'll see <laughs> him do that if you're watching on YouTube. See that transition. Uh, and if you're here, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications. Uh, if you're listening to us, where you get your podcast needs met, head to the uh, description to find out how you can join a uh, Real Blend Premium. There's a website we have called uh, cinemablend.com backslash real blend premium. premium. With that, you get an ad free version of the podcast, an extra podcast. segment every Monday, and newsletters from me every other Friday. So check out the description. Sean, head to. Yes, sir. You forgot the most important thing that premium offers is all of us breathing very heavily into the microphone every single week. <laughs> you in have a to pay very for that. hot. Hot and disturbing way. I feel like Hot breath. I feel like that <laughs> trend has to stop soon. Because no, it's, it's, it doesn't. It's creepy. We've me done out like the bit. same jokes for like thirty-four years. That now all of a sudden we're gonna stop doing. Oh, <sighs> hold on. There's another thing too that I want to bring to the show um, because I was over on Facebook and there's a real blend premium or the real blend group on Facebook that suggests questions. And Harry, who knows us from D.C., asked a really great question, and I want more people to weigh into it. They said, the show has been around for three and a half years. What are some old segments that you guys go back to listen to? And um, Victor, who also listens to us, who's from New York, says that he likes to go back to the early episodes just to see how far we've come. I can't. I, can't. I, I, haven't, I haven't listened to the early episodes. The one Neither that I mentioned I. in the chat below is Gabe's tremendous edit on the Dunkirk montage, which was oh, <laughs> so yes, that funny. Was gold. That was and I'll gold. go back and listen to that, too. So I hope more people go over to that Facebook page and add some some additions of things that they like to go back and listen to. Because, Gabe, um, how many Dunkirks were in the montage? I don't remember. I want to say I tried to get all of them, but maybe I yeah. gave up halfway. I don't Probably know. close to 50. <laughs> yeah, close to 50. Gabe, have, um, you, have you listened to like some of the original episodes recently or at all? Um, I, I came across, this is funny, this will take us back. I was rummaging around my Google Drive, um, and I came across an archived video when we used to when we used to stream live directly to Facebook. Oh, oh God. Wow. <laughs> wow, I forgot we did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I, I, I thumbed through that a little bit just to watch and look at the terrible graphics and the awful video. And the show was still yeah. great. It was still a fun show. It was just mm, a different time. It was a different great time. Great is... Uh, There's a reason we don't do this live anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, tough. Yeah, Those sure. were hard. More control over this. Yes. Um, but listen, we are going to do something fun and something live uh, coming up very soon. We're going to have a watch party. Yes. Uh, so join us and several other fine folks from the Cinema Blend staff because on August 30th at 5 p.m. Pacific uh, and 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to live tweet along to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we're going to be doing this The best indie movie. It's the definitely best uh, that, indie that, movie. That would be Last Crusade. But yes, you're, you're not, not too far. The best indie movie. How can folks play along at home? Use the hashtag Cinema Blend Movie Club. Cinema Blend Movie Club. And we'll promote this on our socials, uh, our individual socials and Cinema Blend socials and Real Blend socials. So again, August 30th, 
5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be doing Raiders of the Lost Ark, a live tweet with all the Real Blend guys and a bunch of other fun Cinema Blend folk. So make sure that you guys tune in for this. All right, so we left a lot of room for the weekly poll because it's a question that I want all of us to answer. And God, why did I had I, I saw this idea. I saw this question somewhere and just poached it um, for someone. Someone for um, the poll. Didn't someone sent it directly to real, like the, either the Real Blend Facebook page or someone um, that might proposed, be right. Like someone proposed it to us. Okay, good. So then I don't feel too bad about stealing it then. Um, and it was who has had the better career post Goodwill Hunting, and it's Matt Damon great and Ben question. Affleck. Uh, it is a great question. question because you could take it in a million different directions. So Jake, mm-hmm. you're you're into this. What? Yeah. I'm not even going to do. I'm going to. I will save the results for after. I want to hear your answer sure. first. I I gave it a lot of thought because I think, mm-hmm. like you said, there are a lot of different directions you can take. I'm going to say Matt Damon because okay. I think he uh, his product is the most consistently good. Um, yes, I think you can make the argument. Yes, Ben Affleck has turned into this director, great director, and he's directed a Best Picture winner. But I feel like his like I still never know what I'm gonna get from him. Like with, when mm-hmm. Matt Damon puts out a movie, worst case scenario is it's good, and best case scenario it's great. Like he's mm-hmm. all he always puts out substantially really solid work. With Ben. I fe- still feel like I never really know. Like, like, like Ben's involvement in a project does not automatically make me think it's going to be good, as opposed mm-hmm. to Matt's involvement with a project makes me think, oh, that's going to be a solid piece of work. Okay, but I feel like you're projecting a little bit. Like, still just that period from Goodwill Hunting to now, mm-hmm. you still think that Ben Affleck's inconsistency hurts him? Yeah, yes. Okay, okay. But also keep I- in mind, and, and, and I'm by no means am I knocking... His work sure. is Batman because I think I think his I think his work as Batman is, is is really strong. I also don't think he's as great of a Batman as you guys do, which probably puts me as a little bit of a backseat. And Ben Affleck never bought a zoo, so I like that. True. Movie. That. No, you don't. No, yeah. you don't. no I do like that movie. And you know yeah. what? He would have bought a lot more zoos if he had done Avatar and gotten ten percent of the profit. Very true. It's a good point. Kev, where are you at? I have I have a little bit of an update. Uh, the squeak is back. I just want to let everyone what? know in how? the chair. I don't know how, but I, 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 I've been I've been sitting here and I was like so proud of myself and I just moved left and I heard it. So apologies, Gabe. I did spray it. I sprayed well, he, he it. Got the, he got the cheap ago. WD forty. He got the like WD twenty eight. So there may be a few in there. Maybe maybe our listeners, if you want to point them out uh, and give us timestamps as to where, 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 where you hear them. Oh boy, um, there's a there's I, a good uh, real blend out of context. The squeak is black. The squeak is back. The squeak is back. <laughs> um, it's interesting. This is an interesting question as well. Uh, I, I I could make an argument that they both are have had equally big careers Mm -hmm. um, since Uh, though that being said on a personal note, because he's my favorite Batman to grace the screen because he directed Argo, the town gone, baby gone, which is one of my favorite films ever, just in terms of just from a filmmaking, a directorial debut from somebody like that. Um, I think, I think I find Affleck more interesting uh, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated to see what he does. I, I think after seeing Gone Baby Gone, I was blown away. I could not believe that Ben Affleck directed that film. Not that I didn't think he had the talent, but I just think that he is, he, I think he has a little more to offer than Damon, um, personally. I really, I, I, just, I just do. And I think, I do agree that Damon's acting and films have been more consistent. I, I definitely don't disagree with that. Um, obviously, Affleck had some 
films that weren't great. And I think Damon had some films that weren't great either. Sure. Uh, you you but, work that but, long, but, inevitably you're going to do it. Sure. I just think that what Affleck did with Batman was something I had never seen before. And, that, and that's obviously a lot to do with Snyder and kind of what Snyder brought to that as well. But I just, when you think about the, the films he directed, I, I can't not give him that, that upper nod. Uh, I mean, especially Gone Baby Gone and Argo and the town, the town is great. I rewatched the town the other day. Town is fantastic. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I think I would give the slight nod to Affleck because of the directing aspect of his career. Yeah. So I'm team Affleck as well, too. And I'm looking over Matt Damon's films. And the only thing that I'm going to say about Matt Damon, the only kind of knock on him and Jake, you're 100% right. Like he delivers quality every Very single consistent. time. Yes. But I think he's also kind of safe. And Is I, he one note? No, no, no. I don't think that. Um, but it's almost like he he doesn't, he wasn't, he won't take risks on projects that might potentially fail. Right? Like it almost feels like he puts his eggs mm. in the baskets that he's going to work with a filmmaker that's been consistently good. Or he's waiting. And, and listen, hey, that's a terrific plan to go for on, on your career is to look for the best scripts available and work with the, the most talented filmmakers. Yeah. Good for him. But I think Affleck's highs are super high. Um, yes. And his lows are, are low. But um, you're right. It's his directing career that kind of puts it over the top. Like he directed a Best Picture winner. You know, like that alone when yeah. you're measuring careers is pretty su- substantial. And probably deserved yeah. director, you know, that year also. Like it's kind of a stun that he didn't. Well, he wasn't even nominated for director. Isn't that how that played out? Town got him for Picture. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's or, uh, yeah. He- he basically Argo, won I mean, picture because he wasn't he wasn't nominated. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember the critics his critics choice speech was the best speech ever because he I think it was the day the Oscar nominations came out, I think. Uh, that sounds right. Wrong. That sounds right. And, and he and he didn't get nominated, but he won best director or picture at critics choice and when he got up to on the stage he goes I want to thank the academy, which was just a <laughs> brilliant brilliant line. Um I'll never forget that. I mean, going back to Damon for a second, I I, I, I wasn't saying he was one note. I was just curious if that's where you were going with it, but I I, I Damon safe is a really good word for Damon. I actually uh, I think that's a good word. I think he, everything he does and again, great actor, don't get me wrong. Uh he's actually really good in Stillwater and we'll get to that later. But I think I, I do think there's a little bit more of a risk factor on the Affleck end. You know what's cool about um, Damon? Damon has become yeah. one of those actors that we were discussing on a show recently of like when they show up in a project, you're like, oh, this is going to make it better. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll use um, No Sudden Move recently. No, no, yeah. no Sudden Move. I, I, I'm so bummed that I didn't bring that up to him when we talked to him for Stillwater. Yeah. That scene was so great. Yeah. Uh, he's so great in No Sudden Move. And the No Sudden Move performance uh, is is an indication as to why Damon's so great. And here's why. like Damon is so famous that when he shows up in a film, he has the ability at first to go, oh, there's Matt Damon. And then and, and either the performance is going to be great where you go, all right, it's Matt Damon for a minute. And then, boom, you're locked into See, the I character. Don't think you, I don't think Ben Affleck could do that. Probably not. See, it's interesting. But uh, what's funny about the last Duel trailer is I think Affleck stood out more as Affleck than Damon stood out as Damon. So I saw someone tweeted, um, and I thought it was it, it, yeah. it perfectly, I think it's absolutely right. It says, Affleck looks like he knows what a phone is. And I was like, that's, <laughs> I, yeah, actually, I, I, yeah. I, I get that. I get it's that. A, it's an inter- interesting perspective, but yeah, I know we got to move on, but but I, I, I just think, just coupled with the fact that he's my favorite Batman, and he directed three great films, two of which are, I think, are 
phenomenal achievements in directing. Um, I give it to him. And you know I'm what? curious where our audience goes. Oh, yeah. Let me get, let me get to that in a second. Oh. I, I think the, the takeaway from this is that I think almost any actor coming into the industry now would kill for either of their careers, right? Sure. Like, and I don't think there's a wrong answer. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't like me choosing Damon, you guys, like, I don't, I don't necessarily no. think you guys are wrong. It's a really interesting question. 62% of the people who voted uh, went Matt Damon. And 37% said Ben uh. Affleck. So... So Damon's, uh, Damon's leading the pack right there. All right, let's get to talking points. So this was a pretty uh, important bombshell that when I shared it with you guys, this news is two weeks old. Like it flew under the radar and I had no clue that this had even happened. Um, but the Directors Guild, uh, the DGA essentially, um, put out a statement that going forward uh, this year in particular and, and for uh, everything moving forward, coming out of the pandemic and taking into consideration how streaming is working uh, and how theaters are trying to get back um, into play, especially with how it affects the awards race going forward. Uh, DGA said no film is going to be eligible for a DGA unless it has a seven day uh, exclusive theatrical run, which good by. um, What am I trying to say? Basically means uh, that the Marvel or the, the Disney movies that go directly to Disney plus on day and date and even more importantly, the the Warner Brothers movies that are going to HBO Max on day and date would not be eligible for DGA. Now, of course, my first thought went to Dune. Um, and Jake, you were right when you brought up Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has a movie coming out. Uh, those are two directors who are Warner Brothers uh, powerhouses now at this point. Eastwood, of course, more so because of the legacy. He literally, he literally doesn't he have like he has an office on the lot. Yeah, and Denis has been working primarily with Warner Brothers, but uh, it doesn't mean that he's going to stay there for you know the the length of time that that uh, listen. If Dune doesn't do very well after Blade Runner and Dune, Warner Brothers may not want to stay with Denis uh, after a while. But um, Kevin, you believe that this is going to lead to a change in the in the release uh, schedule for Dune that it will get this exclusivity so that he can be eligible for DGA. I, I can't imagine them not reversing the HBO Max thing in that sense. I mean, it's it's from the sound of it, it sounds like they have a masterpiece on their hands, mm. right? It just sounds like they know they have something insane. Um, I, I I saw something the other day I found interesting. I can't believe they didn't shoot both both halves of that back to back, right? I, I just don't understand that because like you're gonna give them the money to make them uh, half the film up front, and then I guess maybe test the waters if it does well. I, I have no idea how that's gonna play out. But the fact I mean, that they did the same thing with it. Yeah, I just feel like Denis should have. I, I don't I don't know the inner workings of that, but that, that blows my mind that they didn't because that's a big production. That's a lot of people. It also makes me one think place. that part one might end significantly less of a cliffhanger than we think it's going. I think it might, you know, yeah. like, you know, because because even like with it, even though it ended with a title card that said it chapter one. Yeah. The way that story ended, had it failed that movie could have stood on its own and mm-hmm. been one singular film. And for the most part, most people wouldn't have known that there was a whole second half of that story. I wonder if they're yeah. trying to structure this half well, of Dune as one movie. Jake, you finished the book? Uh, no. Oh, Gabe. So Gabe, you know the book. Mm-hmm. Um, if the, if that happens and they don't do part two, will mm-hmm. it be um, extremely incomplete? No. Or, from where you're kind of thinking, this works as a story and a movie? It, it is an epic book. It is an epic, epic book. Yeah. <clears throat> and where I think they're taking this, where it's from the trailers, all I have, and what about the halfway point of the book is, um, there is a significant chapter of Paul Atreides' life that happens mm-hmm. in the first half of the book 
that then opens up this other chapter of his life that is the second half of the book. And mm-hmm. so I think that there's plenty of story there for one whole movie to feel like he goes from beginning, middle to end of a certain okay. a certain chapter of his life. Interesting. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be... I imagine Denis Villeneuve is not going to want to create something that doesn't work on its own. He's not that kind of artist. Like, he's he's a artist, I think, first and foremost, um, before he's a great, amazing blockbuster filmmaker. Uh, so I don't think he would allow that to happen, full stop. But also the story totally lends itself to, to being split like that. Okay, so the question back, becomes... Back to, but yeah, back to the DGA, like, is this going to be enough to force Warner Brothers to make a decision... Um, because we have been saying on this show repeatedly, there's nothing that's stopping them necessarily from changing back beyond just, well, we promised people that for the duration of this year, uh, we will go day and date. But if this well, gets was the, presented to them, is this strong enough to make them say like, oh, OK, well, Dune is going to get the Oscars change their rules. I think it's yeah. game over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that was the big question. I mean, we, uh, we've been I've been asking this for weeks is is there any legal aspect to HBO Max? And and one of those changing that idea because the posters for Dune say October twenty second on HBO Max. Is there some no. type of legal tie? Yeah, well, and, and Gabe says no. What about so the people I, so that signed up qu- for a year? Like like in theory, if if I signed up for a year based on that promise, mm, and then right. they break that promise, how how can right. like the average consumer that's what be I'm like that's bullshit? Out. Like I signed up, I signed up for this for a year, thinking I was going to well, get the Matrix. You signed up for a service with a company that reserves the right to change their policies. You didn't sign a contract. Do they have the right to right? do but that you si- in this year? I, 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 think so. I don't know. That's, that's a larger question that we can't answer here because that's probably a terms of service fine print thing. Like, I think us asking that question is probably not Which fair. none of us read. None of us Yeah, read. I don't think that's fair for us to ask because we can't really answer Great that. It's a good question. About that. But I can't imagine that they would leave themselves liable for that, especially given oh, that that's they... That's a good point. That they launched this in the middle of a year that was filled with, hey, this week, 14 movies got delayed. Hey, th- this next week, 10 more movies got delayed. Like, it was it was a year where everything was getting pushed all Wait, the time. So I don't know the why solution. they would, would leave that, that open. Here's the solution. You maintain the date that you told them it was coming to HBO Max, but you put it in theaters a week earlier. There's no, there's no screens. What screens? There's screens. Well, of course there'll no, be screens. Not on IMAX. So the so fifteenth last duel opens. Okay, twenty second is Dune. This I don't. This know calendar who, is gridlocked. I'm telling you, there are yeah, so much coming ha- out through the end of the I year. I bet you last duel has an IMAX. Well, release. but wait, but DGA didn't say you got to play an IMAX in a week. No, no, not at all, not at all. Well, I know, but there, I, do you think Denis going to let the film come out in the in the first week without the IMAX component? Or why don't they There's just no do way. the Oscar thing and put it in one theater in LA and one theater in New York? Yeah. It happens all well, the time. They could do that. If that works for the DGA, then they could do that. I could see that happening. Yep. In all, but in all honesty, to answer Sean's question, I do think this is going to force a change. Because it, it's the right thing to do, first of all. Uh, as, I, as we said last week on the show, I know we're in a pandemic. But we, before the pandemic started, there was a 90-day window. Okay, that had nothing to do with the pandemic. It was just a 90-day exclusivity window where you had a film run in theaters. It was an agreement with the theaters and the studios. Then you go home. So to make people wait an extra couple weeks or whatever it would be to see it at home, I don't think that's unfair. And I don't think that pandemic aside, and I get that we're in a pandemic and I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but we've waited 90 days before the pandemic started. So if, if, if this is somehow going to help force this rule where we could get at least at least a week 
maybe more, hopefully, but at least a week where the theatrical is the exclusive to match this Oscar uh, rule. I don't find anything wrong with that. Wait, I mean, I, I, let me play I, devil's I don't see advocate. Why we can't? Let me play devil's advocate okay. just for one second. Sure. This sure. week in particular, we had two mainstream movies that opened that were theatrical only, in Old and Snake right. Eyes. But they weren't big movies. In all honesty, they weren't films that I thought were going to do a massive amount of numbers. I know. I mean, I know that we we predicted old, maybe 25 range. I know it only did 16. Um, I think the reviews. Well, I think the reviews hurt old. I really do, because the reviews dropped basically that Thursday at noon and they weren't good. I'm not saying that reviews are what makes a film. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure Dune is a big opener as it is. I don't see Dune opening huge. Yeah, but dude, but but we had a point a couple weeks ago. Like, and Snake Eyes, by the way, I, that movie doing thirteen million that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. That movie didn't. I didn't feel any buzz going into that film. I didn't feel any. So, like, I think old and and Snake Eyes are not really great uh, in terms of like comparing because we've already had these massive weekends with Fast and Furious and Black Widow did really well and and Godzilla vs Kong did really well and Quiet Place Part Two did really well. I would, I would love really a well. number. I'd love a number on Suicide Squad if it didn't have HBO Max. I would love well, a number. How many people would go back to the theaters to see that? I think Suicide Squad it, it, it is falls into the same boat as Dune in a weird way, where like the people who are really locked into Squad and James Gunn and filmmaking and IMAX. Like that movie is designed for IMAX. It's shot in IMAX, one nine zero aspect ratio. It's very tall. It's gorgeous. Um, I think the people who are going to see Suicide Squad and Dune that are film fans, I think, are already going to the theater regardless. Dune has a very big built-in audience just from film fans in general. And I think one of the points we made recently was about Dune was anybody who's locked into Denis and that and that style of filmmaking. They're, they know the theatrical experience is the way to see Dune. Um, but I but I guess my point was this uh, with Suicide Squad might be a good test, right? Because Suicide Squad comes out August 6th. That's that's in the same vein, uh, same boat as Dune, where it's an HBO Max day and date with theaters. Um, I do feel that this new rule is going to have to force Warner Brothers hand. It has to uh, because Dune it Dune sounds like from what I understand it to be a best picture, best director nominated type of film. Mm. And I, I have a hard time. Think about what an Oscar campaign means to a studio. When you have a film that comes out and you got 10 Oscar nominations for including best picture. And those are on all your ads. Sure. That's another marketing run for your movie. Yeah. But, but I don't know that the DGA is, is, is important enough. Yeah. For them. I would say, does the average person even know what the DGA is? Like, I don't think that necessarily Warner Brothers is putting a ton of stock into, oh, we have to be nominated for a DGA for us to fill this mystical yeah. thing about being dominated at the Oscars because of history. Like, I don't think they're going to fall for that That's when it comes point. to adjusting and- their release schedule. Jake's right. It's it's the Academy. If the Academy also adapts this, even though policy, even that though, I would be I, I wouldn't be surprised if they said that's not worth moving our entire release schedule. Oh, given the fact I that think, think, oh, no, uh, like the it, Academy, uh, the Academy, I think then then they move. Yes, we, we saw them that move would potentially entire, keep uh, Denis out of the director yeah, race with, would be significant. When they expanded the uh, the two month thing. That that shifted everyone. Everyone's really scheduled and changed to be able to. Yes, to... but they made a promise this time. Is my point. Like I don't. I I I don't know that. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it's guaranteed they won't, but I wouldn't be surprised if they said, you know what? No one saw the Oscars last year. We've got a million other Oscars that we can put on our marquees of the cast and the and the talent that have already won Oscars. 
do we want to shift this? Do we want to shift this promise? I think that's short sighted. I I think we could go either way. I think it, I think it could go part. either way, but but I think it's also a big ask to to ask them to 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 back out of a promise that they made to their audience. They maybe legally can, and I can agree that they should, but I could see them making the business decision that hey, we committed to this play really hard. We're not going to get any good headlines from backing out of that. Let's just you know. <laughs> let me let me give you forward. something that happened last night. Um, PJ had some friends over and uh, they came inside and they know that I'm a movie critic and so they like talking movies with me. And they said, um, "Oh, uh, we saw Space Jam two, and uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good. I enjoyed it." And I was like, "Nah, it's trash." And they said, uh, "Sean, I said no. It's awful. It's an yeah, awful no, but movie." But these are kids. Jesus. Well, they're not. They're teenagers. They they know better than that's. I'm old. And I said, um, "Where did you watch it? Did you go to theaters or did you watch it on HBO Max?" And they said, uh, "No, I pirated it." Like Jesus that. Christ. That was their immediate response. So we spent a lot of time talking about who's going to theaters and who's watching something on streaming. And this teenage audience, um, who the studios are chasing, just immediately are going to pirate sites to get. This there. is so and, weird. And Maybe this is a sign of me being old. I don't even know. Not that I would, but I don't even know how to pirate something. And these kids are watching them on the phones. They're just. They're just. Oh. Did you tell your son that you have HBO phones. Max? Did you tell I, yourself? Yeah, well, no, he didn't watch it, but it was <laughs> oh, his friends okay. who said, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I watched it on my phone. And I was, I gave them hell for that, but yeah. that was it, eye-opening to me that their initial response was just... I know some people that watch Black Widow on their phone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, oh, were you breathless when they, she fell out of a plane? Oh, wait, you weren't. She was an inch and a half <laughs> big. Yeah. I, was, I was at work today, and I heard possibly some of the worst sentences I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. A guy, some guy came up to me at work and told me he watched Tenant for the first time on an airplane. Oh. And I literally almost jumped out of my chair. A single I, tear. I, 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 I single went backward up I mean, Kevin's cheek. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Like, like he's sitting there telling me that it, like it genuinely broke my heart. I'm like, I can't believe that it, it was his first experience with Tenet and then, was on an and airplane. And then did, were you understanding whenever he said, I just didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't quite... <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, of course. No, but it was unbelievable. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe, but I, also, but I also understand like that's, but think about how many people maybe experienced Tenet that Of course. Way. But that's yeah, also yeah. clearly someone that doesn't care that much about movies. Like, sure. like, if he really cared about movies, he would have seen Tenet yeah. already. So, like, that's but not someone same- whose opinion you really... I'm not that you don't care about his opinion, but, like, that's just not someone it's who's just as a different, into movies as we are. Just a different point of view. Some, for yeah. a lot of people, for most people, movies are just movies. I'm going to I'm gonna also talk <laughs> sure. about how this show has kind of ruined me um, somewhat recently. I put on HBO Max last night. Um, I was the only one up. And I have always wanted to see the Robert Altman uh, Western McCabe and Mrs. Miller. And it's there. It was available on TCM. And I was like, great, I'm going to I'm going to start this finally. And if it takes me a couple of nights to get through it, I'm going to fine. But it's so it's shot in the I believe it's early 1970s. And um, I'm pretty sure it's one eight five. Kevin, I don't even know. I'm not sure the aspect ratios, but it's got two oh. honking big bars on the top and the bottom. And I couldn't watch the movie. Like I literally was staring at those two black bars and the compression of the image. And I was just annoyed. I was annoyed trying to watch this. It, were what the bars Sean needed like large or were they the skinny? Logo over. Large. They were large bars. Uh, so you're probably it's probably like two three five two three nine. I would have I would guess. What's the it name of the movie? Angry. McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Let me look it up. I'm going to guess. It sounds like it's 239, 235, but keep going. Sean would have felt much more at home if it had the sci-fi logo, like, like <laughs> imprinted. All right. We're moving on to uh, this week in movies because the there's a lot of stuff to get to. I, 
I just went upstairs to grab this. It's somehow gotten worse. Like the squeak is actually worse now. Can you work on it during it. the? So, can you work on it during the show? I have. It's in the middle of the That's, show. You just hear, dude. If you watch the video, if you're, if you're watching us on YouTube, I disappeared yeah. for two minutes, yeah. and I've been down here spraying. I don't understand why the squeak. The squeak is actually worse now. So I'm gonna. Oh, you keep got the WD forty so. that adds more squeak. Yeah. yeah. You, oh, you yeah, got yeah. the big blast yeah. now big with blast. more squeak. Damn it, Kevin! That's the squeaky kind. Hashtag not like, enough. Like, <laughs> Gabe has made me so subconscious of my squeak now. I was like interviewing The Rock yesterday. I'm like, what the heck is that sound? Like, like now, I, now I notice it's so much more. Uh, All right. No, it's uh, still there. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We're going to get to uh, This Week in Movies is a Netflix <laughs> film called The Last Mercenary. I forget, did anybody see that? Jean-Claude Van Damme's film? No, we've not seen it. By the way, can we just yeah. say the best John Claude Van Damme movie of all time? No question. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's probably yes. True. Uh, all, right. all right. Stillwater. Let's get to the review of Stillwater because I've heard very I good things seltzer. about it, but only only from you two. Uh, Jake, why is Stillwater <laughs> interesting? Um, you know, the story is fascinating. It it is. Um, which I feel like this I, I broken record because I feel like I've been saying this a lot. It's a little bit longer than it needs to be. It's two twenty. Um, I can't say I was ever bored, but I'm not entirely sure it ever justified its 220 run length. Um, Damon's performance is incredible. Uh, he does, he has a really uh, incredible knack for playing these like you know uh, you know middle class normal American guys. Um, you know I, the the joke I keep telling like he reminded me of my dad very much in this movie. He was a roughneck from Oklahoma, and the, like the way he reacted to things, you know, it just the way he would react to people in France, and, and it's a really powerful story. You know, it's very reminiscent of people who are familiar with the Amanda Knox story from like 2007 around there. Um, very reminiscent of that. Um, the, the, there's several secondary performances, including Abigail Breslin, who are all incredible. There's a young young girl um, who who plays. Uh, not to give Wait, too much does away, somebody but, go missing? Is that what happens? So his so when the film starts, his daughter is already in prison in France uh, for murder. Okay. And so he flies back and forth from Oklahoma to France to go visit her. 
Okay. And and then uh, eventually she says like, look, I get I got to get out of here. And so he starts. He kind of takes it upon himself to kind of start investigating. Wait, what exactly happened? Because I don't believe that she committed this murder. So he kind of starts poking around to sort of see um, to see if he can figure things out. It's, it's a, I, I thought it was a really really solid film. Um, enjoyed is a weird word because it is so heavy, but I thought his performance was incredible. I wouldn't be surprised if he got an Oscar nomination for it. I thought it was about the band from Almost Famous. <laughs> yeah, Fever Dog. Fever Dog, they're, they're great film. Kevin, what did you do? Did you, you, I think you liked it as well, right? Yeah, I thought Damon was incredible. I, I, um, my issue with the film is something I can't really bring up in this conversation because it's, it's a spoiler. Um, but I think, I think what, uh, I think one of the things I'll keep it vague is that Jake even texted me after the movie was over because we both had questions about this particular thing. Um, and there's something in this film that I, I think is, is rushed over so fast and not done in a clear enough way where like the entire film leads up to this element and they don't do a good enough job explaining it. And I, I'm not saying that movies can't be open-ended. This is not the case here. There's an answer to this question. I just felt like I didn't, it, it wasn't presented in a way where it was clear enough for me. And like, even Jake like texted me yeah. afterwards, basically saying like, what did you think? So I, that's all I will say about it. Um, in terms of that outside of that, it is, Slightly a little, slightly too long, but Damon is fantastic. Abigail Breslin is great, um, and there's it's a really interesting story. Like, like I mean, this is a character. He's an oil rig roughneck. Uh, you know, the character is traveling to France. It's interesting to see kind of the cultural shock that his character kind of goes through uh, in another country. Um, the politics is really interesting because it's very understated, um, and that's what I kind of liked about it. It was, it wasn't like. The character is clearly a Trump supporter. I mean, it's even and Matt Damon even said that the character would have voted for Trump because someone in the film even says to him, would you have voted for Trump? And he never actually answers it, but he answered it. And I think in a press conference recently that the character would have indeed voted for Trump. But they don't really they don't really spend too much time analyzing that. They just allow him to be kind of a human being. And I think what Damon said, something in my interview that I thought was interesting was that he spent a lot of time with the Oklahoma, uh, these Oklahoma roughnecks and. You know, Damon is I think Damon, it's not a surprise. It's not a secret that Damon is is liberal. I think he I think he, I think he supported publicly Hillary Clinton in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I found interesting about it was he approached his work in terms of like spending time with the Roughnecks as an actor versus versus just the human of human being of Matt Damon, because he said, as an actor, I have to understand why these people uh, think this way in terms of like the people he's spending time with the roughnecks. Um, and I found it interesting that he was able to kind of put aside his own politics and actually be an actor and become the character and understand where they, they where, where they were coming from. And I found that to be really interesting in the film. They understate that politics element and in a good way. It's never it's never like blatant. They're not beating you over the head with politics. Mm-hmm. It's just part of who the character is, but it's not everything who the character is. Um, and I have family members uh, who voted for Trump that are like, you know, in terms of like politics, when you look at Twitter and social media, it's so black and white, right? Like you're either a Trump supporter or you were a Biden supporter, but in reality, we're all human beings. And that, that political element, I don't think should define every person for who they are completely. And I think that's kind of what Damon was going for in terms of the character was that Yes, he's he swings a certain way politically, but that's not everything about who he is. He's a father. 
he's trying to take care of his daughter. Uh, he, you know, his, his wife uh, passed away, right? Jake, his wife died uh, in the film. Um, so there's a lot more to him than just the political element. And I think that Tom, is it Tom McCarthy who directed the film? Yeah, who did Spotlight? who's a good director, um, yeah. Did, did a really good job of not making the politics the centerpiece of the story. It's just part of who he was or the character is. So I think Damon did a really good job with that because they really could have leaned into that and made that a bigger deal in the film. And I think they did a good job of kind of like playing with it in a very intimate way, but also a very personable way. And I think he's really good in it for sure. And, and just Jake. one thing just to touch on what, what Kevin said, the last five minutes, you're given a lot of information that is kind of softly delivered or whispered. Yes. And I cannot I emphasize enough how much you need to like dial in and listen to what they're saying because they're giving you very important information and then the movie ends. Hmm. So to, that's why like I asked other people in my screening, wait, I'm sorry, wait, what did she say? And everyone in my screening said like, I don't know. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And I, that's oh, why I texted wow. Kevin, wait, I'm sorry. Like, can you explain to me that like, like we're talking like big resolutions for the movie. I'm not entirely sure I got because I could not understand what they were saying. Yeah. Okay. And I was, it's not like I was watching at home. I saw it in a theater. Like, it's not like I was watching at home. Did Nolan direct that final few minutes? Yes. He, Nolan did the, first, the final five minutes of the movie. Tom McCarthy <laughs> uh, had him step in. <laughs> I'm leaving to go see Jungle Cruise uh, in about an hour and a half. Um, so, Jake, am I going to have a good time? I think you're going to have a perfectly pleasant time. It's It's an interesting thing. I think... Dwayne and Emily have incredible chemistry. Like, like they are so fun together. On the flips, the flip side of that coin is I find the story to be incredibly weak. Mm. Um, you, you know, so it's one of those things that it's. I, I enjoyed watching the two of them go at it. Um, I it's particularly the period of the film where they kind of uh, don't like each other. You know, that's mm. that's so fun. Once they kind of start liking each other, it, it the, the chemistry. It's to me, it's almost not there as much. Um, and then it counts on the story to kind of keep you going. And I just didn't find the story to be as, as interesting. That being said, I thought it was a perfectly fun, pleasant film. It reminded me of a lot of movies that did it better. I know they keep throwing out, you know, there's sort of the mummy kind of aspect, which is sort of, you know, the Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, the chemistry they had. Romancing um, the Stone. Romancing no, the Stone. Not, you better not mention Romancing African the Stone Queen. unless you're... Yeah, 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 African... Yeah, so... <laughs> Come on. You know, the, and these are all movies that I, I, I could say... I mean, you could say, like, yeah, I get it, but you didn't do it better than them. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you like, like yeah. okay, like, because then the line they keep throwing out is Emily Blunt's character is like, you know, the female Indiana Jones. It's like, okay, let's let's... Let's, like this ain't Raiders. Let's calm down. <laughs> I will say that I thought Indiana. I thought the Indiana Jones comparison is accurate for uh, Family Blunt. I thought I actually really had a fun time with her character. So it, the film itself, uh, every scene with Blunt and Johnson are great. Like those, those are the scenes that work. Yeah. It's the scenes outside of them, um, and I like I love Edgar Ramirez. I think he's a really good actor. Um, but that character that he plays, he's the quote unquote villain of the movie. Um, I just didn't. There were so many scenes that could have been edited down. I was sitting there. I was sitting there watching, and I'm like, "This scene could have been cut by 15 minutes. This scene could have been cut by 10 Another minutes." Another movie that's too like, long. It's like, what is it? Who too directed tall? it? Did anyone direct it's, it? Of note, uh, I, his name starts with a J. I, I, I don't want to botch oh, it. It's like, it's uh, like, yeah, yeah, Colette. Um, 
um, Colette something. Yeah I, yeah, I feel bad. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah. it's like a three. It's a three word name. So Blunt and, and Johnson are, are fantastic at together, and like they're what make the movie work, right? Like when you watch them on screen, the the it's electrifying <laughs> to use that term, um, but it really is fun. Like they're great, and so like the movie really really shines when they're on screen together. But you really feel their absence when they're not. And I think as a for a film, you don't want your audience to check out, but you check out when they're not there. It's almost yeah. as if like you take a break from it, right? But then when they're there, like it, it's an interesting study, right? As you're as an audience member, as you're watching it, like the opening is amazing. The way they introduce Blunt's character and the way they introduce the Rock's character and that whole through line, his bad puns. One of the cool oh, things the about puns. the movie that I Oh my god, the puns reminded I, me of you. <laughs> yeah, I love the puns, but one of the cool things about the movie, and I would argue that The Rock's character is kind of a filmmaker, a practical effects filmmaker, because he's operating this ride, in or this, this boat ride, right? And he has all these cool practical contraptions set up along the, along the, the, uh, the water that happen to scare the people who are on the boat. And it's like, he, and he's like operating it like a director. It's really fun to watch. And there's even one point where he has like a film camera. There was a sense that I got that his character was kind of like a filmmaker uh, for the time. Um, but again, as an audience, it's so weird. Like I, I always go back to Rogue One when I think about this because I, I love, I, I like Rogue One, but I love the ending. And when you leave Rogue One, you leave on a high note because of the Vader scene. And like, that's the last thing you basically see. You walk out of the film, you're, you're amped up. And I compare that to this in the sense that anytime Blunt and Johnson are on screen, I'm amped up, I'm all in. But then I check out when they're not. And I think as an audience, psychologically, is there a lot where they're not in it, though? Is there a lot? Yeah, there's a pretty good chunk of time. I I don't know if Jake would agree. There's chunks of the movie that it just falls flat without them on screen. You know, it's a bummer. You know, as much as I love Jesse Plemons, like hmm. I didn't think Jesse Plemons was particularly great in this. And I loved like I would argue like he's one of the next great actors of our generation. And Mm -hmm. I kind of thought he was a little lame in this. Hmm. He Plemons Plemons didn't bother me. I actually kind of like Plemons in the film, but but it's in in small doses. He's funny. Uh, I could see what Jake's saying about the about it being overboard. No pun intended. Uh, but I, I genuinely believe this. And I, the only reason I mentioned Rogue One, which is a, a really weird comparison, I'm just thinking about the psycholo- psychology of an audience. Because as I sat there and watched the film, and I think Sean, you'll feel the same way. You're going to sit down in this movie theater tonight, and you're going to go, "Oh, this is actually really good," and then you're going to go. Okay, this is not that great. And then you're going to go, wait, this is actually really good. And then you're going to be going back and forth. And it, I think psychologically, it's a really interesting thing for an audience to experience that because there are so many good things about it. But mm-hmm. overall, I'm like, it was fine. Okay. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the best movie that's opening in theaters this week. Um, something that people need to get out and experience at all costs, uh, of course, if you feel safe. Uh, and that is David Lowry's film, The Green Knight. It's time for Gabe to punch out. Gabe, if you would like to remove your earbuds, disappear. No spoilers, Gabe... not to mislead anyone. I just no. don't want to know anything. There's no spoilers yes. going to happen. Gabe would like to go in as pure as possible. Um, and what the I find green. fascinating about The Green Knight is that it falls into a category of movies that I probably, based on things that I've been saying on this show for years, wouldn't necessarily enjoy. Um, it's set up a little bit as um, fantasy, medieval fantasy, uh, it's it's knights and swords and and that type of mythology. But for whatever reason, this movie lives in a sweet spot where it was just 
Jake called me after his screening and the two of us were hashing it out, especially about the ending in particular, uh, where we both had different opinions and I, I kind of came around to his, his side of it. Did you? We won't, we won't get into that. Yeah, I think I came around to your side of it. Um, but I just said it, this was the right kind of weird for me. Like, I, I totally understand people who go to watch this movie and they're just like, what the heck is this? Um, because, you know, there's a story pushing it through, but it's pretty loose. It's a lot of experiences that this uh, character, the Dev Patel, is going on. Um, it's a quest. It's essentially a quest. And so there are a lot of pit stops along the way that he has to continue to get through in order to get to the end of his goal. Um, they're not, one of the things Jake and I were talking about that, uh, is that they are not physical challenges per se. They're often very psychological challenges. Uh, and whether he has the emotional fortitude uh, to get through them. And um, it has really great performances throughout by people who I really love, Alicia Vikander um, and Joel Edgerton and Dev Patel is fantastic in it, um, but it gets weird. It definitely gets weird. <laughs> definitely gets weird. Like anytime he's interacting with um, naked giants, that's unusual. As one uh, does. As one does. The concept itself of the Green Knight. So essentially, for if, you, if you know nothing at all about it, the Green Knight uh, is a a monster-ish, a tree-ish creature that shows up in their uh, kingdom and challenges any knight who wants to face him down. And he essentially gives them, a, it's a puzzle right from the get-go. He says, if you're able to make contact with me in any kind of way, then a year from now, you have to come and find me and I get to inflict the exact same contact to you. Um, and, you know, you I thought immediately in the thing, well, just nick his shoulder, you know, or just like tap him on the but, leg. But I think that's, that's what's interesting about it is that it's like, it's, he's ba you know, whenever you do that, you want to show off. Like you want to, like, you know, you're not, you're not going to take that challenge and then do like a little baby cut. Like you want to, you know, so it's, it's well, almost like a two part challenge. It's a, it's a challenge of like your ego and then it's a, it's a challenge of your honor because then you have to course. follow up a year later. So it's a, it, that's why, that's why it's so fascinating. So I, this just really connected with me. Like I just thought all of it was uh, in my wheelhouse right down to this kind of mysterious ending, which could be very clear, cut, clean cut based on your opinion of it, or it could be a different interpretation and uh, I'm really, really excited to go back and see it again. I just think the I think the sound design for the creatures is fantastic. I think some of the cinematography that's used throughout on these different challenges is really breathtaking. Um, and uh, yeah, it blew me away from start to finish. So, Jakey, where are you at? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, everything you said, it's pr honestly probably my favorite movie so far this year. Um, I just the, the production design is astounding. There were moments that kind of reminded me of like, oh, God, remember when Burton used to be able to pull off shots like that in particular one shot of the green knight riding away from the castle that mm. reminded me of uh burton sleepy hollow which was just absolutely brilliant yeah you know what's interesting is look i'm gonna be completely honest i cannot tell you that i understand every single moment of this film there are a couple of moments that i'd love to get y'all's thoughts on in, in terms of what you think it means but i also love what it says about honor i love what it says about um you know what it means to be truthful what it means to be brave um, you know, because there are so many of those themes when it comes to what being a knight was at that time. And, you know, when the when the film starts, you know, Dev Patel's character is not maybe the most honorable. I mean, he's not even a knight yet. Like, he dreams of being a knight, but does he have what it takes? And uh, so it, they re it really dives into these really interesting themes of, of do any of us really have what it takes? And are we willing to do what it takes to have what it takes? And uh, it's I just thought it was fascinating. I, I, I Even though it was... It was recut to be a little bit more of a slow burn. It was. It's very much an A24 film, if you know what that means. Um, and I just loved every second of it. And the final moment is one of my final moments in a movie in, in, a, in a long time. And I just absolutely 
Absolutely, I, I love this movie to death. Absolutely loved it, and I, before, I really want to hear Kevin's thoughts. Before I throw to Kevin, yeah. um, there's one other thing that I wanted to. Uh, one day we're gonna have a long conversation if whether this is like an ecological, uh, what we are doing to the planet. Uh, it, you know, based on a, a movie that you make and the consequences you have to deal with a year later. Like if the Green Knight is supposed to be oh, a representation of the environment, and there are a lot of other references throughout the course of the film sure. that I point in that different direction. But we can uh, we can discuss that over drinks someday. I saved Kevin for the end because uh, he uh, let us know through the text chain that he doesn't like this movie nearly as much but then we didn't discuss it we very much yeah. decided let's leave it for the show so well, i want to hear uh i want to hear kev's take on it and how it sat with you yeah, over so the last I, week uh i'm in a very interesting uh mindset with this film um I, I i need a second to set this up um i first of all i don't i need to see it again and like tarantino said for tenet i genuinely feel that way um i feel i i don't think this isn't it feels like an a24 film at all actually i think it's really? like so far from an a24 film i think the trailer was an a24 film the movie is nothing like the trailer whatsoever um in my opinion so this is a, this 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 presents a very interesting argument because this is why i can't even review the film yet uh i think the trailers for this film do it an incredible disservice um the trailer leads you to believe that you're going to be watching this gigantic Ridley Scott style epic. Um, and the movie is absolutely nothing like that whatsoever. It is a personal, mm-hmm. very intimate, very slow burning storyline. But to that me, that's A24. Very... Like, that's what an A24 movie is. Have you seen Spring Breakers or Zola? Have you seen a ghost story? I mean, Ghost Story... Which is I also David Lowry. <laughs> it's also Lowry, yeah. I would argue A24 is more like Spring Breakers and Zola than it is like Green Knight. Am I crazy to think that? Uh, I, think, I don't I, wanna, I think I, It's hard to pigeonhole them because I think they're trying to expand their palette. So. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But calling Green Knight an A24 film, I don't feel the film fits that vibe of A24 that I've seen over the years. Here's the thing. If you had told me that Sofia Coppola had directed Green Knight, I would, I'd believe you. I would actually think Mm. that like it has her sort of approach. It's a little esoteric. You know, it is very, you're very right that it's, it's very intimate. It's not a sword and sandals. That's probably why I like it. That's because I would be bored if it was just large battles. We always talk about expectations. I think that's, I, I didn't expect it to be a Ridley Scott film. And I think that maybe that's why I liked it so much. Right. So that so that's where I'm at. So I can't even give you my review for this film because when I sat down for the Green Knight, I I had expectations based on the trailer. Now I want to say this because this is very important to say: a trailer is never the filmmaker's fault, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A trailer no. is a marketing tool. A trailer is cut together in a way to make you want to see the film. I'm sure there are filmmakers who have final cut on trailers. I would imagine Sir Ridley Scott had a final cut on last dual trailer. I would imagine he did. They, they probably cut it together, showed it to him. So as I sat in this theater watching this film, I, I, I went in with the desire of what the trailer gave me. And I sat down and watched it and it was, it, it, it disappointed me to uh, beyond belief, to be honest with you um, from a, from a, from a cinematic standpoint, cinematography wise, I think I thought the characters were not as interesting as the camera. The camera was more interesting to me than the characters. The the these massive wide scope 
tall shots. It's 185. It's gorgeous. I was blown away by the production design, the sets, cinematography. I did not find Dev Patel to be the character to be interesting enough to lead leave me to to lead me through the story. But I also you have to understand that like 20, 30 minutes into this film, I could I I I didn't know what I was watching because mm-hmm. it was not the film that I was promised, in my opinion. Just based on my personal expectations of the film, based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. The trailer blew my mind. The trailer is a five out of five. Um <laughs> so I'm in a very strange boat where I don't think I could give you a purely honest opinion on this film. I I was disappointed based on my expectations. Is that the movie's fault? No, it's not. So I want to see The Green Knight again with managed expectations, with knowing that it's an intimate, personal, slow burn. Because I was all in for this gigantic, epic, gladiator, last duel style Ridley Scott film that the trailer, in my opinion, promised me. It's um, not that. So... It's not that it, it is so far from that mm-hmm. that it actually made me angry. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there in the theater. I'm like, I, I'm not I'm not mad at David Lowry. I'm not mad at the film. I'm mad. I'm not mad at all. I'm just disappointed that my expectations were at a certain level. And it and, and I'm not it's not the film's fault that it didn't deliver that. So I can't sit here and rightfully give you a fair review because I because my if I sat down in the theater tomorrow and watch this film again, knowing what I know about it. I, I might have a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm, in, I'm just 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 like Christopher, just like Tarantino said about Tenet and Dunkirk. Right. He didn't like I completely understand that comment when he told us at the New Beverly that I need to see it again. That's exactly how I feel about this film. I don't okay. know how I feel about it yet. That's where I'm at. I watched the trailer a while ago, so I can't quite remember the tone. And I definitely didn't want to watch, watch it, it again, again going into it. Um, yeah, probably after the fact, I'll watch it again. I didn't want, I definitely didn't want to see it going into it because I'd seen it early enough and then the movie got delayed a bunch and then I just knew I wanted to go into it as clean as possible. So this is the last thing I'll say about it and then we'll move on. Um, the film is incredibly ambitious. Like it is, it is, it's ambitious beyond belief. This is a weird, weird movie. (laughs) A very strange, very strange film. Um, I I I, I want to explain that I do think the filmmaking here is unbelievable. The score is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I didn't connect to the story because I was so blindsided. So that's, that's where okay. I'm at. That's okay. all right. Let's that's shift to uh, some guy who is often not very esoteric and pretty straightforward with the types of films that he delivers. Uh, Mr. Dwayne Johnson, who has the Jungle Cruise coming out. So we're playing Dwayne Johnson blend, and people are able to tell us their favorite. Dwayne Johnson movie. I'd be surprised if all three of us uh, end up with the same pick. I don't uh, think so we gonna, will. I'm going to go first. I think we will. You think so? I'm picking Fast I Five. I think Jake and I will have the same. So am I. Oh, you are? All right. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I'm picking Fast Five for this reason. Um, I, I have not seen a character get dropped into a franchise five films in and just reinvigorate uh, you know, the, what was happening in the series. And the series was going along just fine. But introducing Dwayne Johnson into that world um, was such a boost of adrenaline to the point where it became like a running joke of like, because then they inserted him into the G.I. Joe franchise. And I thought there was one other one too that they inserted him into and it was kind of just like, this is what you do now. You inject the rock into your franchise to spice it up. I, th- I thought as much as, look, we make fun of Kevin for... 
he loves Dominic Toretto. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the Toretto Hobbs uh, face off is was more interesting to me than anything that they've done in Hobbs and Shaw. Like that first fight that they have in the um, garage is yeah. it's so brutal. It's so awesome. brutal. They're they're punching themselves through concrete. <laughs> Like there's the moment when Diesel is gonna like essentially crush Hobbs' skull with a with a wrench kind of thing, and uh, it's just it's it's a fantastic fight. Um, I love a good on screen fight. I love one that's pretty believable and not over the top. Uh, I think he brought the right type of energy. He was very much in his wrestling mode in that phase of like you know it doesn't matter what you think and uh, and just leading that mm. team to go after Toretto. Um, and I thought that that stretched into six. And then one of the problems with the fast franchise, a small problem is that, you know, they eventually make uh, Hobbs part of the team. Like, I think it was just better when he hated Toretto and was like after them all the time. It would be a little better if like the Toretto gang had that kind of heat on them all the time. Like, like Hobbs always in their rearview mirror chasing after them. Um, so I think when you hire the rock, I think rock rock does certain things very, very well. Uh, and he brought everything that he does well to that part, uh, and truly elevated that franchise into now the, the mega blockbuster that it is. So to me, it broke my heart a little bit to read his most recent quotes about how, you know, Vin Diesel's comment about acting, uh, made him laugh so hard. And I wish them luck with, with furious 10 and 11, because I I did kind of want Hobbs to come back uh, and play some role. I kind of thought those last two send off films should be, you know, uh, an amalgamation of everything that's happened in that franchise to this end, but it sounds like Rocky will uh, not be partaking. So, Kev, you went with Fast Five also. What's what's your take? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the the Rock film that I would generally go to as my favorite would be The Rundown. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen The Rundown in a few years, um, so I didn't feel comfortable, like, giving a reason why. I just remember loving it when I, when I saw it. Fast Five is the... It, for every reason you just mentioned is exactly why that film is incredible. Like the, the rock being dropped into that franchise, like you just said was, it was, it was mind blowing. Like he was so great. It was such a perfect fit. Also, that's one of the best action films I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's just, it's just nonstop. And like every time his character is on screen, you feel the weight of that character. His presence is so strong and so badass. Um, and like, you're right. That fight is amazing. I also love the scene when they kind of join. I, I know you were talking about that just now, but like they, when they kind of join together like they, and, and they help each other. And I like guess specifically, I, I just think the rock, in my opinion, really became a movie star on that movie. I would argue. I, mean, I don't know if I'm wrong in that, but I don't know how big he was. I know he was big in terms of like wrestling and, but his movie career wasn't really no, going because rock, anywhere. When you remember super- if you go back not too far ago, he had a bunch of action films that he tried you know, like right. there was one called Driven, I want to say, or, yeah. um, you know, kind of shortly after the rundown where he appeared in a couple of films that just didn't take off. And yeah. then he t- disappeared for a little bit, you know, or tried some family comedies. He did try on a lot of hats before he kind of figured yeah. out what works really well for him. So like Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Like I mean, like, I mean, it, listen, and the game at the end plan, of the day, I th- the game plan and walking tall and mm-hmm. there were yeah. there was a, a few in there that I actually liked. Um, but Fast Five was, I felt like Fast Five was like the universe going, this is where he needs, this is, this is The Rock. This is yes. Dwayne Johnson. This is the movie star. And I, you got to give Justin Lin credit, right? For, for really kind of like 
finding that route for rock because that movie i think changed everything and i think a lot of people would argue fast five is the best in the franchise uh i'm i love seven i also love the rock in seven that scene with him and statham when they fight in the office and he falls out of the building and kind of uh protects um who's the actress uh who's married to chris hemsworth uh who stars in the fast films i don't i, I don't want to botch her name um she's really good in the films i just i just mm. don't remember her name off the top of my but head see that that um, reason for whatever that fight to me is one of those exaggerated fights where oh i love that fight in seven but, but i love like, the seven fight it's so over the top that i'm like someone would have died here <laughs> sure but i mean but fast fast five I go that route because it, it, it genuinely, I feel like, is the movie that made Rock the star. So, hmm. uh, Jake, this is making me a little nervous. Is your screening in 15 minutes? No, we're good. Oh, cool. okay. All right, cool, cool. All right, okay. well, Jake, go ahead. You thought, you thought Jake was going to pick Fast Five, and clearly he did not. So, where did he go? Uh, I chose Pain, Pain and Gain. I knew it. Yeah. I knew Which it. Which is um, actually one of my favorite Michael Bay films. Um, I love that movie. Uh, it is such an unbelievable true story that at one point in the film, uh, about an hour and a half into it, where it's so crazy, they have to put up a title card that says, by the way, this is still a true story. Like, that's how crazy <laughs> yeah. it gets. That they have to remind you. Um, and it is... Look, I love The Rock, and I think The Rock has... Um, Dwayne Johnson. I think he has very much kind of honed in on what it is that he's good at. He mm -hmm. sort of sticks in his lane and he's very good at it. Pain and Gain, I would argue, is the one performance from his career where I did not see him. Like he, you know, it's this world, if you're unfamiliar with the film, it is this world of these bodybuilders in Miami who get caught up in this like murder, uh, money laundering scheme. And The Rock plays this like coked out bodybuilder just out of prison. They're all kind of idiots. It's kind of like they don't, they're all kind of, it's himself and Anthony Mackie and Mark Wahlberg. And the three of them like don't really know what they're doing, but all think they're significantly smarter. And it's Michael Bay's Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, oh, it is, that is absolutely <laughs> the perfect way to put it. It is, yeah, it is yeah. Michael Bay's Fargo. And <laughs> just his his performance yeah. as this well, like they, coked were out. They, were they cooking hands or something like that on a grill? Oh yeah, like a dude's hand cooking. gets cut off. Oh, it's it, it's 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 wild. And in fact, if you read, I think there's like a Miami Herald uh, piece on it that's actually crazier than the story in the movie. But Michael Bay had to scale it back because he thought if I put all this, they're gonna think this isn't a true story anymore. Like that's how crazy that story was. Mm -hmm. yes. and, and that's his how, performance. That's what we all expect from Michael yes. Bay is to scale it back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and his performance, like to me, he actually does disappear. Like I don't see like oh like there's the Rock. Like oh he's having fun. Isn't it cool to see him? To me, like I see the guy he's playing. And yeah. I think, no pun intended, like The Rock is a hard guy to hide. Like that is a that is a that is a lot of man to hide behind a character, and he does <laughs> in Pain and Gain. Uh, I I don't see his like persona. I see his performance, and I think it's it's my absolute favorite. And like I said, that's one of my favorite Michael Bay films. All right. To that end, I want to shout out the work he does in the Jumanji franchise, especially the first oh, one. Oh yeah, because he's great. He's really great. Yeah. Uh, you know, taking on a teenager. You know, and you're right. You can't hide his physique. Yeah. Um. But he's figuring out ways to almost deflate. You know the the largeness that yeah. comes with being the rock kind of thing. So I'm curious for Jungle Cruise alone just to see like what spin on his personality that he's bringing to it. So um, audience picks for oh, Dwayne it's, Johnson. Blank. It's Dwayne Johnson in okay, Jungle good. Cruise. <laughs> but those but those but, puns but, like, though you're gonna love the puns. The puns are, okay. 
The puns are amazing. There's an orange juice or an orange. There's an orange juice or an orange pun that that like right. uh, about squeezing and concentrate. And it just made me laugh so hard. I just kept Wait thinking like, this is Kevin. This is Kevin. And why, like, didn't, pun- why didn't they call it Pungle Cruise? <laughs> that's a great question. I, I wish you would have said that to me yesterday. I would have used that in my interview. Damn, did you wait? Did you do a pun off? Did you did you bring up the puns with them? No, because I saw they were the, the pun thing came up in like every interview they were doing. So I was like, I didn't want to like do that. But they he ended up bringing it up at the end, and we kind of play with it a little bit. But I, I was bummed because I feel like that came up in like that was like a big part of their interviews. Mm. So I was like, I can't. I don't want to do that again. So did you say? Did you turn Just, to Emily and say, I need to be blunt? And then ask a question. Uh, see, I, there was so there were so many things I could have done. And, 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 <laughs> see, now you're making me feel like I just failed miserably at my interview. I, I, well, I, how did I not do these good? Yeah, Pongo, Pongo Cruise is right there waiting for you. Pongo <laughs> Cruise is pretty good. <laughs> some some <laughs> hack is going to have that as their headline of their review. I guarantee it. I guarantee oh, it. Some you hack. Know, you know see, who it's I'm on talking cinemablend. about? Cinemablend.com. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it is. Uh, John Augustine and John Ratzenberger, not the uh, Cliff Clavin that we know of, uh, said the rundown. Film chat pod went with Central Intelligence. That's a pretty good pick. Uh, William Central says, Intelligence is great. It's funny. It's very funny. Uh, William says, quote, sorry, it's Skyscraper. Don't be sorry. It's Skyscraper. If that's your favorite rock Actually, movie. You should be sorry for that. To be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> skyscraper. Skyscraper is not good. I'm sorry. Eugene uh, went with the I'm Gridiron I'm, Gang. I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. Stephen Capecoat went with uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, and James Vasquez said Moana. So I love. Uh, thank Moana. you very much. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, but that listen is that Rock or is that Linwell Miranda? Lin Manuel uh, Rock's great in that. That's a great. Rock performance. He is. He's it really is. Uh, yeah. All right. For next week, you're going to reach out on Twitter using hashtag James Gunblend. And you're going to let us know your pick oh. via social media or email for your favorite film by James Gunn. Um, and Gabe wanted me to say that that extends into his writing career, too, because I believe that he's written a couple of scripts uh, for movies that he did not direct. So make sure you do your research before you play hashtag James Gunblend. All right. Let's get to a review. You do your uh, research. As mentioned, you can email us reviews at realblend at cinemablend.com. Uh, and this one comes from Corey Holland. Okay, so Kevin told a story uh, recently about Michelle and I being at the McCarthy house for a barbecue, which was fantastic. Uh, we had the greatest time. One of the things I want to call out Kevin for doing, uh, which I think about every couple of days and it still blows me away. Kevin knows that my favorite band of all time is Blink-182. Kevin likes them also, um, but I wouldn't say that they're your favorite band of all time. But Kevin has them, their, but yeah. their albums on vinyl. Uh, and made sure that like while we were having dinner and just hanging out, he was playing Blink-182's albums on vinyl, which I thought was a, an incredible touch. So uh, Corey Holland's review says, this isn't a review necessary. Oh, the reason I brought up Kevin's cookout, because this is the review that we read uh, that made Michelle cry. And I think that it'll have the same effect on, on you guys as you listen to it. So it says, this isn't a review necessarily, not a traditional one anyway. Oh, it's going to be hard for me to get through, but it's something I wanted to share. Uh, my son Landon is nine and he has autism. Despite the speech and language issues that he deals with, he's such a unique and fun little boy. He's truly one of the happiest kids I've ever known. And one of his favorite things to do is to travel anywhere. Ventures, he calls them. And like most kids, he also loves his electronic devices, with YouTube and Spotify being his primary go-to apps. Last night, he exited his room, iPod in hand. He was smiling so big, 
and clearly excited as he hurried to me on the couch. He just couldn't wait to show me. Not knowing the proper words to communicate what he wanted to say, he mumbled something, 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 daddy's car. He then hit play and revealed the source of his delight. And that's when I heard it, the silky, <laughs> silky smooth voice of Sean O'Connell, followed by the catchy <laughs> intro music of my favorite podcast. Landon had somehow found Real Blend on his Spotify and immediately recognized all of your voices as the ones that he hears nonstop. You guys are practically his uncles at this point uh, in daddy's car. As I listen to episode after episode, some admittedly more than once the pride and happiness on my little boy's face that he had found your podcast on his device was written all over it. He sat with my wife and I showing off his digital prize, like a first place trophy in a soapbox derby. Then he returned to his room where episode after episode could be heard for the remainder of the night echoing down the hall. Even as I type this email now, he's sitting in his chair, eating a snack and listening to Real Blend. It was clear to us what was happening. Given his love of road tripping and going on adventures while dad plays Real Blend through the car speakers, and though he doesn't understand what any of you are saying or any idea what any of it means, it's a warm blanket for him. He finds happiness and comfort in hearing episodes of your podcast, thinking about going on ventures with dad in his car, and I find that incredibly touching. So not only is Real Blend my favorite podcast, Real Blend has now inadvertently become a bond that my son and I share. And next time I'm driving down the road listening to another episode, I will enjoy it that much more knowing that my little boy is riding in the back happy. Thank you guys oh. for all oh. that you do, Corey Holland. So that's mm. off the charts phenomenal. I mean, wow. Uh, thank you, Corey, for sharing that story with us. First off, um, I'm so glad we're able to have that kind of impact on anybody. Uh, and and so send all of our love to your beautiful family and, of course, uh, our new fan in uh, your son. So yeah. uh, it, uh, listen, the, the bar has been raised too now. So we want to hear more emotional uh, reviews like that from people. So. I don't even like this show that much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, that enough. review is wor- is just why we, is worth everything worth why we it, do it, which is crazy. Really is. Um, All right. That was, yeah. And I, I was flipping burgers when Sean read that out loud. I think it was a Facebook review or something. Wasn't it a Facebook? Uh, no, he, he wow, emailed wow. us. Email oh, us. email us. Yeah. And yeah. I remember you like pulled it up on your phone and you were reading it and I and like Michelle just started crying during it. It yes. was pretty uh, yeah, she had to go inside and get a tissue. <laughs> like that, <laughs> yes, that's how did. upset she was. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, moved. She was moved to tears. Uh, our next premium I, I episode. Mean, I meant moved, yeah. Yeah. Our next premium episode is going to be a fun game called Reviews Clues. Uh <laughs> this is where Gabe takes old film reviews written by myself. And takes out a chunk of it, and then the guys have to guess what review it is. I didn't, I wasn't here last time that it was just Gabe and Kevin who played. And, but I did on the side, uh, listen to the premium episode, and then I was, uh, slacking, mess- slack messaging my guests, my guesses to Gabe, and I only got half of them. Yeah. So, uh, it goes to show how much I plagiarize. Uh, review some other people and just <laughs> forget what words are in there uh again you can get access to all of our premium episodes which drop on mondays at cinemablend.com black slash real blend premium so we'll be back next week with a brand new show uh you can follow us on social media at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv at sean underscore o'connell at gabe kobach and the show is at real blend we will talk to you guys uh, soon enough. War of the Worlds. And by the way, my chair is worse than it's ever been. Just want to give an update on that. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, he made it worse. Gabe, 
Gabe, there are going to be so many squeaks in this audio. And I just want to apologize to you because I'm wearing headphones and I can hear them. Something happened. This big blast WD-40 messed my chair up. We're never going to get a sponsorship now. I mean, it's so Brought to you by WD-40. Yeah, I'm. I, if I breathe wrong, it squeaks. Now I don't know what understand what's going on here. Beautiful. But yeah. So squeak. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a new chair. I'm actually gonna order a new chair on Amazon right after this is over. I'm not kidding you. I'm gonna toss this chair out because it's bad. Like I can't move without it squeaking. So squeaky. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.